Thanks for tuning into the XL Legal Podcast, an interview-based podcast for lawyers devoted to practice excellence and wellness tips. I'm your host, Shelley Appleby-Ostroff, legal talent development consultant, writing coach, and former practicing lawyer, and I'm so happy you're here. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with lawyer entrepreneur Aaron Baer about two innovative legal training companies that he's co-founded, 4L Academy and Build Your Book Academy. Aaron's currently a partner and director of training and development at the Montreal-based digital law firm, Renault & Co. Welcome to the XL Legal Podcast, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me today, Shelley. Really excited to be here. Well, thanks so much for being here. I thought we would start with your your journey. Like, how does one go from being a lawyer to being a lawyer entrepreneur? And sort of what are some of the highlights along the way? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. So, you know, I started in law school. I was the youngest one in my class, and I had no idea what I wanted to do when it came to a legal career. Uh, but my background, my undergrad was in business, and, and I figured it would probably be something corporate-ish related. And I figured out pretty quickly, being a litigator, fighting all day was not something I wanted to do. I uh, was lucky enough to get one of the rare 1L big firm jobs and found myself uh, at a large firm uh, early on. And sort of just looking around and seeing what was going on and trying to figure out what I wanted to do and also how all this stuff worked. You know, I, I don't think law school did a great job preparing me to, for the practice of law. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but I was also looking around at just different processes and different ways we were doing things and kept my eyes open uh, and was just curious. And I was lucky enough to be hired back um, and joined our corporate commercial group. So got to do lots of business stuff, which I liked and really had no idea what area of practice I wanted to do still in terms of specializing. Uh, but around my second year or so, I stumbled into the legal tech scene in Toronto, which was relatively new at the time. Uh, and there was no one at the firm I was working at thinking about this stuff or talking about it. And I just started reaching out to some of these companies t- to learn more and started building some relationships with them, started bringing in some of them to pitch to us. We eventually onboarded some of the technology and I got really involved with trying to drive adoption internally and also building my own practice, You know, really leveraging the great technology that was out there. And was getting built by people around my age, people in some cases I knew I went to law school with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought it was really exciting as a way to provide better value to clients, get rid of some of the grunt work, just you know, be more efficient, which, which is something I really like. And, and clients obviously resonated with that, which was great. So along this way, I was sort of you know, one foot in the traditional world, billing lots of hours, bringing in work, making money for the firm I was at. But at the same time, I was really thinking about legal tech and the practice of law and the processes and all of those sort of things. And I think one of the challenges can be at bigger firms is, you know, I didn't quite fit the mold. You know, so people liked me as a lawyer. Uh, there were rarely complaints there, usually the opposite. But I wasn't interested in just being a traditional lawyer. And I was doing all this legal tech stuff. Then I got really interested in training people internally. And I wanted to do more of the practice of law, not just being a lawyer, but but like, what does it mean to have a law firm and, and, and getting involved and wearing more hats than just wearing my lawyer hat? And I was dabbling in a lot of that behind the scenes for a while. And I think it reached a point eventually where I was a lot more explicit about what I wanted to be doing and how I did not want to be on this traditional lawyer path exclusively. And unfortunately, they just it wasn't something they could fully comprehend. And the end result, I said to them, look, like if I'm not going to be allowed to do this stuff, I've got to leave. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that I, I sort of reluctantly left. That wasn't the plan. Uh, it was really sort of, you know, if this isn't going to be flexible enough, though, I got to find a way where I'll be happier. So was thankful to have met uh, the founders of Renault & Co. about a year earlier before I joined. 
And when they told me about their vision, the way they work, which sounded nothing like a law firm and a lot more like a normal tech company, I knew I had met some people who I would get along with. So I've been there for about four or five months at this point, and it's it's been fantastic. You know, the way we operate, night and day different to 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 in big law, a lot more flexible. Clients love it, and it's it's been a fantastic change. I, I can't ever imagine going back. You yourself are based in Toronto, correct? Yeah. And the firm Renault Co is based in Montreal. So does that mean that you will be working remotely from here on in? Is that the, yeah? That's the that's the model? plan, Shelley. And I got to be honest, I am very happy working remotely indefinitely. <laughs> you know, I don't think I would have said that you know five years ago. But pre-pandemic, I was well aware of the ridiculousness of going into the office. I refused to wear suits for a while. I would get in <laughs> trouble for that sometimes from coworkers and just laugh because no one was seeing me. Uh, you know, clients weren't coming in person. Everything I was doing was remote. You know, most communication was emails and phone calls. Now we've got a lot more Zoom. But all that to say is, um, you know, the need to be there in person really wasn't there in the first place. And I spent a lot of my day talking to people, you know, clients, networking, people, you know, doing people like you doing stuff like this. So there's plenty of socializing for me there. And I've managed to build some really strong relationships with our team just through our ongoing video calls and things like that and, and constant communication with them. So where we can serve the entire country uh, and we're really flexible with where our staff work. So if they want to work somewhere else, we're okay with that too. Mm-hmm. Wow. So many changes in the profession since. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Since way back when, when, uh, when I was there, but all seem to be going in such an incredibly fascinating um, and sort of human focused direction, which, uh, which I love. You have the two Academies, 4L Academy and Build Your Book Academy. So I'm wondering, you know, you've got this interest in training and you've been doing some training uh, within the firm. So which one came first and how did this all happen while you were practicing? Because it sounds like there wasn't a hiatus there at all. Yeah, there was no hiatus, which, <laughs> which in hindsight was a little uh, poor planning on my end. But so 4L Academy came first. That was, I guess, the chicken. Uh, build your book, we can call the egg. But but for all Academy sort of came out of my own training experience. Uh, I was top of my class in law school in, in first year, got one of those one-all jobs. So in theory, I, I, I should be smarter than people or at least better at law theoretically. And I should have had more experience because I, I had more law firm experience. But all that to say is, you know, law school really didn't prepare me that well. So those exam grades were good, but that has nothing to do with practicing law. And in my summers, you know, I, I had no idea what I was doing at all. And so, you know, came back as a first year, second year, just trying to figure stuff out and, and just felt anxious a lot and stressed because it's no idea what I'm doing. You're working on large files. People expect you to do a good job. Clients expect that and they're paying a lot. And I just remember thinking like, I don't know what I'm doing at all. And everything was brand new. And for me, that, that really, you know, that trajectory accelerated sort of my third, fourth year when suddenly I was supposed to be running all these files and going, not only did I not know what to do previously, but I especially don't know what I'm doing, you know, at the thirty thousand foot level, you know, strategically. I've been spending lots of time doing these tasks where people tell me what to do, but now that I'm writing my own file, I don't actually understand what I'm doing. Like no one bothered, or I shouldn't say no one bothered. No one had the time or the foresight to really think through my training. Hmm. And so I was trying to figure out at that point in time: Do I just leave this profession and do something else because I was getting more anxious? It wasn't good for my mental health. And I wasn't enjoying it that much, or do I try to power through? And I took the power through approach. And I don't mean that as in, you know, ignore the mental health side, very much was addressing that at the same time. But I took the power through approach in the sense of, I'm like, I just need to learn. I have a massive learning deficit. And so I spent hundreds of hours reading stuff online, thinking about stuff, and then picking the brains of some very gracious mentors who were 
you know, colleagues of mine at my at my prior firm who, you know, didn't have to, but but were so gracious with their time and answering my questions. And sort of came out of that going, okay, okay, this all makes way more sense now. Now I understand how this all fits mm-hmm. together. Uh, why the heck did no one teach this to me in the first place like this? <laughs> this, got, this was doable. This journey could have been faster and less stressful and all of that, better for the clients, better for the firm. If someone had taken the time to really think through how to train me and in a way that would resonate with, with me and other younger lawyers. And so through that, I went, okay, well, I have some thoughts on how to do this better. So I started running you know, lots of free uh, sessions internally at my prior firm. Those all went great. Uh, took over training for articling students when COVID broke out. That went well. And eventually, uh, long story short, you know, realized there's there's more to be done here. And so last summer, or I guess this summer really, so in summer of 2021, we launched uh, for free. We trained about 100 law students across Canada in three different courses, a litigation course, a, an M&A due diligence course, and an M&A closings course. And the feedback was great. It was really, really, really positive, and we were able to launch, thankfully, the paid version uh, in September, which allowed me to pay our instructors and our TAs and all mm-hmm. these other people behind the scenes that have put in so much time and energy, along with myself and some others, into building what we think is 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 the top, you know, training program for younger lawyers and law students in Canada, and not just from a substantive way it's done, but we'll talk more about this, I'm sure, but just the way we deliver the interactivity, all of this stuff, like it's meant for you know, the Gen Z, the millennial lawyers, you know, traditional training wasn't working for them. And we know that because law school isn't working for them. And especially when you're doing this in a remote environment, you really have to rethink training and you got to do it in a pedagogically sound way. And that is unfortunately largely a foreign concept in the legal space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so how did you sort of know what would be a pedagogically sound way? And actually, before we go there, which is something else you said I wanted to sort of pick up on, you talked about um, that the, no one was really offering this training. But when you asked and you sort of reached out to the mentors, it sounded like people were very willing to to help you and to guide you. So that seems like a very strange disconnect. Yeah, it's, it's a great <laughs> point, though, Shelley. I think, you know, it's this proactive reactive. And it's sort of like, you know, once you realize you have an issue and you know what you need help with. If you're lucky to be at a firm like I was, there are people there to help you, you know. And but a lot of people don't have mentors or good mentors in the first place, you know. And there's a big difference between your formal mentor who might be assigned to you, and those informal mentors you pick up along the way. And it's those informal mentors or sponsors that are are often the most valuable. And so I was lucky to have people, you know, to help, and that was that was great. But the biggest challenge was that was once I realized I had an issue. The challenge mm-hmm. was. This whole way along, I thought I was doing fine. I was people were happy with my work, all this stuff. I didn't realize these massive deficits I had in my knowledge right. until it was almost too late. And the challenge is, you know, you don't know what you don't know, right? Like when you're a lawyer asked to review a contract and it's the first contract you've ever looked at, you can fix a couple typos, great, but it's not just what's on the page, it's what's not on the page. And <laughs> you don't know what's supposed to be there because you've never done this before. And you're also <laughs> not really thinking ahead often to you know, what am I going to be expected to do in a year or two? Because you're so busy just trying to get the work done because you've got pressing deadlines. And so you don't have the time or the knowledge or generally the foresight at those junior stages to be knowing what you're supposed to know. But it'd be helpful if somebody who who has that foresight can say, hey, the goal is going to be in three or four years for you to run these files. So here is every single you know thing you're going to need to know. And we've mapped out training for you 
And the beautiful thing is it's going to get progressively harder as you go along and our training will, will match that. So, you know, when you need training on this new thing, because suddenly you've mastered the first part and we want you to do the new thing, don't worry, we've got training here for you. Like we're really mm-hmm. here to help you proactively, not retroactively. Mm-hmm. And that and, I think is the biggest difference. Yeah. And to build, right? Because as your skills develop, you know, you're going to have a, a, a broader, and a more solid base, and then you can take on more and more and more in terms of your knowledge and in terms of the files that you're handling. Going back to sort of the pedagogical yeah. side of things. So, you know, how, how did you learn about that and how, yeah, and, and how does it operate? And it, what it's are some a great, of the pedagogical great question. Tools? So both Foral Academy and Build Your Book and the Academy for Build Your Book are, are based on a simple premise. And that premise is we are just taking best practices from outside the legal space and applying them to the legal industry. It's, it's really not rocket science. You know, mm-hmm. The challenge has been historically that law firms are run by lawyers. The management is lawyers. The, the, the leaders of practice groups are lawyers. Everyone's a former lawyer or current lawyer. And that's a disaster. Like That's a terrible idea. Um, mainly because most of these people don't have the training that you would want in an ideal world. You know, I want our leaders to have leadership experience and have been, you know, educated that way and be thinking about that all day. I don't want somebody who's a full-time lawyer who happens to wear a second hat as a leader. Like that's not the end of the world, but it's not ideal. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so when you think about these things, you know, business development, right? So build your book is all about business development and, and having an authentic practice and building a fulfilling career. You know, where was business development in law school? I don't recall ever learning about, let's call it sales, because that's what it is, sales. Mm-hmm. I barely got any training on that in a law firm. And there was nobody I used to work with who was an expert on sales. You know, none of them had any training, I don't think, on that. Right. And so that's a challenge. But yet there's a whole industry out there called sales <laughs> where mm-hmm. there are best practices. There's a lot of psychology, there's a lot of technology and systems that it turns out when you apply them are proven to work or be a whole lot more effective. And I kept looking at that and saying, like, why aren't we doing this stuff in law? Like, why is the way we do business development and monitor stuff and, and, and track it and follow up look nothing like every other way that sales is done outside of law? So that was sort of there. And with Foral Academy, you know, talk, going back to the question about pedagogy, you know, I was talking to a lot of teachers. Uh, so people I know or people I got connected to who were university professors, uh, either full-time or lecturers, who teach high school teach elementary school. And I think most importantly, picking their brains on how they had navigated the pandemic as well, because uh, you know we're running for all academy and build your book entirely remotely at this point. And we'll stay that way, I think, for the indefinite future, or certainly the, the immediate future. And we're built remote first. You know, We can operate in person, but we're built remote first. And that means you have to do stuff differently. And we've seen this with law schools. You know, A lot of law professors had the easiest jobs in the world when it came to lecturing, because they just recited the same stuff over and over. And I mean, More I get students. they're there to you know do research and things, but the lecturing could have used a lot of work in the first place. That is not good pedagogy. Lecturing is is a disaster and in our relic from you know 100 years ago. And when the pandemic broke out, they just either recorded those lectures and said, great, we're done. Or they just uh, did the exact same lecturing on Zoom. And it's just so much harder to pay attention in a remote environment. And it's not that they were doing, you know, it's not like the old law school approach was working before, but it was just even worse <laughs> in a remote environment. And so right. the way we run our sessions is so interactive. It's very little lecturing. It's lots of technology we're using behind the scenes, lots of discussions, a probing, things like that, but done in an environment where people are comfortable talking. 
where people are on camera and okay with that. Uh, people are chiming in and we really just run in a different way. Partial flip classroom, not always fully. Uh, Build Your Book is a full flip classroom. So we give you readings and videos in advance of class and you often have a little homework assignment to do. And then we spend our class time together with Build Your Book talking about what's working, what's not working and getting through some of those things. So that's a true flip classroom. Looks the opposite right. of law school. We would never do the law school thing and waste people's time just lecturing. We can record that, right? So we're really doing it differently and building in best practices from a pedagogical standpoint. And those teachers we talk to all the time, they come to our classes, they're constantly giving us feedback. We don't think we're experts on teaching, but what we do think we know is how to run some good training, uh, what to teach and what that roadmap looks like. And when you combine that with people who are actually our experts in teaching, it's, it's not rocket science, it's just simple math. Yeah, but again, it's just, you know, putting together things that people haven't thought about marrying before. So one thing for sure is technology. I mean, that I, I imagine is a cornerstone of, um, of your programming. Yeah, absolutely. And so with, with Build Your Book, you know, lawyers on the business development side barely use technology. Most of them don't know what a CRM is or have never used one or, or don't understand all the software that's out there. That can what help is a them. CRM? Sorry. Exactly. So, so, so dealing with customers and, and managing sort of you know your pipeline of potential clients. There's a whole host of software out there that can help you keep track. Because I'm mm-hmm. having conversations all the time with people, and, and if if it's left up to my memory, we are in big trouble in terms of remembering things and following up and stuff like that. So there's lots of technology for that, and lots of technology for uh, all sorts of things when it comes to business development. But traditionally, lawyers are doing it all manually. And we're all so strapped for time. Time is the number one resource. And there's ways to, to, to really be a lot more efficient so that you can go home and see your kids so you can work less and make the same amount of money or more or whatever you want. But yeah. we're not usually taught about that. So that's what Build Your Book. With Foral Academy, what we're doing is a lot of fun. And as I mentioned at the start, I got really involved in the legal tech space early on. And I'm just really passionate about it, partly from an access to justice standpoint, like, like legal services are just way too expensive for most people, <laughs> uh, almost everybody. And, and that's a problem. And, and part of the reason they're so expensive is that we're doing so much stuff manually and not leveraging enough technology. So we can provide better value to clients and we can also allow more potential clients to actually access legal services. And then from a lawyer happiness standpoint, like nobody wants to do a lot of grunt work for hours and hours on end. So you know, finding ways where you can get rid of the less fun stuff, clients win, you win, everyone's happy. That part is is great. So we're really integrating legal tech into our training. So not only are people learning substantive stuff, but they're learning about the technology at the same time. So for example, in our closings course, you're not just learning as a summer student or articling student or first year associate how to close a deal, but we're leveraging closing folders, which is one of the leading companies out there, and they're learning to use it as part of our class. So when they're building that closing agenda, they do it on closing folders. You know, when they're doing some negotiations, they're understanding how to upload the documents and you know, send out record books and do signature packages, all these little administrative tasks that are so much easier through that software. And in my course, the diligence course that I've been teaching, we've got three different legal tech companies that we co-teach some of these classes with. And in two of the classes, they're hands-on, again, touching that software and learning about substantive stuff at the exact same time as legal tech. And so the goal of that is to give them some exposure to what's out there, but also make them realize this technology is not that hard to use. And if they're ever faced with a situation in the future where they're being asked to do it manually, they will know, oh, hey, there's this thing out there. 
we used it in this 4L Academy class. Let me find out if our firm has access to it. Because if they do, I want to make sure I'm using it. And they're going to feel more comfortable suggesting that they use that software rather than going, oh, like I've heard about this, but I've never touched it. We want them touching that software, playing around with it. And we think that's really going to be helpful in terms of adoption in the future of legal tech. For sure, for sure. And have you been working with the firms to sort of get a sense of what they're, well, I suppose you know from your own experience what some of the firms are using in terms of technology, but have you sort of reached out to other firms to find out what type of technology they're using? And and actually, are they on board with you teaching substantive stuff? Yeah, it's all, all good questions. <laughs> when, we, when we originally came up with 4L and we're sort of pitching to a lot of firms. There were a few firms that were a little concerned with the substantive teaching. They were just afraid of what could go wrong. I think at this point, you know, we've trained enough people across all the big firms in Canada and across most of the mid-sized ones and lots of small ones too. So word has gotten out. And I think the credibility piece is helpful there that, that no one is overly worried that we're teaching incorrect substantive stuff at this point. Um, the firms are thrilled that we're teaching legal tech. Uh, they love that it's done in conjunction with the substantive stuff. And generally, they want higher adoption, and they've been struggling with it too. So if there's an existing tool at a firm that isn't being used that much, we're hopeful and we believe that the people taking our courses are more likely to use it. And also, it's getting the younger lawyers more excited about what's out there, and they might even be introducing some technology to their firm that the firm might be uh, interested in using. So in many cases, the firm has the technology, but it's being underutilized, and they're hopeful that that adoption will, will, will increase. And so we're helping sort of drive that a bit. Um, mm-hmm. With some firms, we are running private classes as well. So the main ones mm-hmm. right now are public, but some of the larger firms who might have 30 articling students or 40 first-year associates or what have you want to run us to run private classes just for their, 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 their firm because it just makes more sense. And so with some of those firms... Uh, or, or I guess with every firm we're doing that with, we're building custom classes. And we, we asked them expressly, what technology are you using? And how much of it do you want us to include? And, and one firm that we just signed up, you know, they're like, dial up all the technology. We want as much of that as possible. And wow. so we're building some really, really fun simulations and custom stuff for them. Uh, that's going to be great. And they're really excited too, because they want their lawyers using it more and they've been struggling with some of that adoption. So it's 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 been a lot of fun on our end. And I think the firms are really excited about what we're doing. And they're realizing we're a great supplement or complement to their existing training. We're not replacing it by any means, but we're this really nice addition to what they can offer their firms or offer their mm-hmm. lawyers rather. And I think also students are realizing, you know, if I want to work at an innovative firm, well, if they're if they're partnering with 4L Academy, that's probably a good sign, right? So it's it's mm-hmm. it's been really interesting to see sort of that part play out too. Mm-hmm. You said you opened it up to associates in the fall? Yeah, associates and articling okay. students, yes. Yeah. So are you seeing any associates or articling students sort of just coming in on their own? Are they taking the training without telling the firm? And like, how does that work? Uh, <laughs> yeah, th- there are there are some of those. And, you know, there's there's people, you know, so, so if the firms are reimbursing them, then they've probably spoken to their firm about it. We do have some <laughs> people sort of taking this, I guess, out of pocket. Uh, generally, at the at the larger kind of firms, you know, we've had discussions with with people there, so so that was a smooth process in terms of knowing who'd be attending and who wouldn't be. But yeah, there are definitely people uh, attending, but generally they just ask their firm. Their firm says yes, and and there's no concerns there. So uh, we've seen a lot of appetite, and obviously there's a lot more work to be done on our end in terms of reaching a bigger audience. But uh, no, we, we, the the courses now have been great. With some of the firms, they were just saying, you know, if we're going to have 25 people, 
we don't want to have 25 people. We don't want to only offer this to five people right now. So we need to do this sort of internally. And so, as I mentioned, we're working with a bunch of larger firms on that. Um, but at the firms with fewer associates or fewer students, there really haven't been any issues. In fact, after week one, we had a bunch of people reaching out saying, hey, is it, is it too late to join? And we said, you know, no, it's fine. You know, we'll, we'll catch you up. But, but the demand only continues to grow, which is exciting. And we're obviously uh, building more courses and expanding into different areas. Um, you know, things like family law, privacy and oh, technology, wow. stuff like that. You know, we don't just want this to be for people at big firms. That is absolutely not the goal. Right, right. Wow, that's so exciting. And it just gets uh, me thinking about who your instructors are. You've mentioned, you know, from some of the um, tech firms, but also on the legal side with the substantive courses, who have you been able to tap into and how does that all work? Yeah, so, so one of the fun parts, you know, is figuring out who is going to teach. And so for us, it's, it's really important they're passionate about teaching. And, and so we interview all the instructors, they do a mock class, you know, it's not like we're just taking anybody here. The content, you know, we 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 build. So depending on if there's a new instructor, uh, they might build the class. But we're working with them throughout the class, throughout the building process, in terms of how we do things, in terms of suggestions. We've got our teachers involved as well, like our our, our actual teachers, not our lawyer teachers, our lawyer instructors. They run a mock class. Like we've got a whole process built for for how that works. And so we need people who are passionate. We also need people who are allowed to do this. And that might sound ridiculous, um, but there are plenty of firms that are not comfortable with, with their lawyers doing this kind of thing, or at least certainly were not originally. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we've been mindful of, of that and navigating a lot of fun optics there. But typically, our instructors are people who have between, let's say, two and seven years of experience, who went through this, who know what it felt like to be anxious and not know what they were doing, who want it to be easier for younger lawyers, and who want to share their their knowledge on that. And so... As I mentioned before, substantively, it's almost the least of my concerns because everything gets checked, everything gets, we've got a whole process on that. It's really about, can you deliver to 20, 25 people on Zoom in an hour or 75 minutes and keep everybody engaged and keep people excited to come back next week? That's Mm -hmm. actually the toughest thing to find. It's not hard to find people who substantively know stuff. Lots of experienced lawyers do that, but being able to do it in a way that connects with people and really resonates with them and get everyone involved, that's a lot more challenging. And so we're really picky with that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. That just sounds so fascinating. And I'm, I'm sure that everybody that you've spoken with says the same thing. I wish they had 4L was around when I was making the transition from law school to articling and then, you know, the first years of practice. Because uh, that whole idea of that big picture and oh, the context and yeah, really trying to this? help people, you know, like understand the why and the what yeah. and the how. But the why is so key. And so, like in, in my due diligence course that I'm teaching, you know, we go way beyond what they need to know at their stage because they need to understand how this all fits together. Because guess what? In a year or two or three, you're going to be doing that next step or that step two or three, you know, steps removed. And if the entire time you're doing the earlier steps, you can understand where it's all heading and how it fits together, you're just going to be so much better off. And that's really what I was lacking, you know, when I was starting out is that understanding. And it's similar with build your book too, you know, um, it's going to be hard to get clients in your first or second year as a lawyer. You know, some people can do it, but most people it's just not practical. You don't have the confidence substantively and all of that, but we're big believers that there's tons of stuff you can be doing to build that network, grow that network in your first couple of years, you know, planting all these seeds so that when it becomes time to where you're thinking about maybe starting your own practice or you want to be a partner or you just want more clients in general, well, now you've got this network. Now you can really start tapping into 
to building and growing that book. And so in the new year, we'll be launching some build your book uh, networking and, and business development things for tar- you know, targeting uh, junior associates. And then we've got our core course right now that we're running in small group cohorts of about five to seven people. And that one is for senior associates, for partners and sole practitioners. And same idea, you know, a little bit different than 4L in terms of how we conduct it, but it's really, again, taking best practices from other spaces, finding an instructor who can really connect with people, where people can feel comfortable being honest and open and all that stuff, and then do an incredible job teaching people. So they come out of each class or they go, wow, I'm so glad I was here. And that's been pretty much consistent feedback for both 4L Academy and Build Your Book. And that's been the fun part too, is we know we're helping people. We've seen people transform their practices build your book. We've seen people get lots of clients, build so many relationships, and just feel a lot more joy and fulfillment and happiness and a whole lot less stress and anxiety, which is really our goal. Oh yeah. What a what a wonderful goal, especially now with all the uh, you know additional challenges we have practicing at any stage of someone's career. But I'm also wondering about the other tools that you have um, that are part of Build Your Book and in particular, your podcast. And why did you choose to add the podcast to Build Your Book? And yeah, what sort of, what's the goal of the podcast? Yeah. So, so we've got the Build Your Book podcast, which we launched uh, in May or so of this year. Uh, and that's Dowell, uh, who's our sales expert and the co-founder and myself. Uh, and each week we've been interviewing different people um, in the profession mainly lawyers, but also sometimes people in the sales space. So some have a legal connection there, other times, not always. We just did one recently where we interviewed someone who does legal tech. Uh, He's a sales guy for a legal tech company, the head of growth, but is a former lawyer who transitioned there recently, who now has the pleasure of selling to lawyers (laughs) for a living, which is not a job I would want. Although I guess I do that in some ways because I do lots of work with with other lawyers and getting referrals there. Um, But the podcast was really, we figured, a great way to help others and also just talk to people and, and get insights that we thought would be worth hearing from people in the legal space who are good at business development, uh, who have learned these lessons and are thinking about things really differently than the average lawyer. Because when I looked around you know, at my old firm and in general, I couldn't find anyone to emulate from a business development standpoint. There was nobody doing it authentically and efficiently and, and effectively. Like Nobody was combining all of those three. There were mm-hmm. some people very effective um, but not efficient and not authentic in a whole mixed bag of stuff. And so we really wanted to make people realize, one, there are some best practices out there. Let us teach you some of those. Two, you know, here are some people actually doing this stuff or, or hey, here are the lessons they've learned from the years of not doing it this way. And then bring in some people from the sales space too, who literally do business development or sales for a living and can talk about what they do and, and the work that goes on there. So it's been a great podcast and, and that's, we've done about, I don't know, 15 to 20 episodes so far. We're going to rejig it a little bit for the new year. And then I haven't mentioned this publicly yet, but I guess this will be the first time we're actually launching mm-hmm. a 4L Academy podcast. That'll oh. come up in a week or two. Uh, and that'll be really exciting also. It's a totally different kind of thing, but we figured uh, the more we can help, obviously all for free, uh, the better. So we'll be launching that shortly as well. Wow, how generous. My goodness, Aaron. So what are some of, have you got some guests lined up uh, for the 4L Academy? We, we do. The, the 4L Academy okay. podcast is, is me finally turning my brain on and figuring out you know, how do I kill two birds with one stone or how to be more efficient with my already uh, stretched uh, time. <laughs> so I'm, I'm fortunate enough to do some work with, with Lincoln Alexander School of Law, so the Ryerson Law uh, School. And I run a program for some of their first year students uh, this little study group where the idea is really, again, consistent with everything else, 
help, trying to help people better understand stuff that is confusing. And so it's not a formal class. It's an optional thing. And when I ran it last year, I was sort of you know helping fill in some of these gaps, help them understand stuff that they're just a little bit confused about because first year law is so tough. You just don't know what you're doing. And the program at, at Lincoln Alexander is incredible. It's so interactive and very different than other schools, but it's challenging. And so just to be there as an, another resource where they can ask questions to and try to help stuff like that. Um, this year I decided to rejig it because I thought we could do it even better and came up with this idea of bringing in a different guest speaker each week. Um, mm. Someone who is an expert in whatever area they're, they're working on in class, who they can hear different perspectives from and see people who have gone on different journeys in the legal profession. And I figured if we're already going to do that, maybe I should probably just record this. <laughs> and so there's a portion of it that we record and there's a portion of it that is not recorded and is, is obviously kept internal and confidential. Um, but yeah, so we've got all these amazing speakers that are, are speaking to these law students. And I figured, why not make this more broadly available to other law students, whether at, at that school or at different schools, because so much of what we're talking about is applicable to all of them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Fantastic. Wow, Aaron, I, I'm just reeling with all of these different initiatives and the fact you're practicing law at the same time. And I don't know when you get a chance to sleep, but... Um, <laughs> I think yeah, one of the I, advantages, too, of, of being at a smaller firm, sorry to cut you off there, Shelley, is, you know, the billable hour expectations look a lot different. And, you know, my goal when I moved to Renault & Co. was not to work big law hours. And that's not to say I'm slacking there by any means. I am definitely not. But, you know, it, uh, my, my goal is to build, let's say, 100 hours a month, which I think is a reasonable number. And that's a number that would get you fired at a big firm or at least uh, yeah. losing pay quickly. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff I'm doing there behind the scenes that is not billable, a lot of mentorship, a lot of training, a lot of all sorts of things. But my goal is not to work big law hours. Uh, and thankfully, you know, economically at our firm, we have so low overhead. You know, you don't need to work those hours. There is so much money you know, going towards overhead and unnecessary expenses, I felt at least at a larger firm. And we're lucky enough that we're building, uh, you know, a modern firm that doesn't have that kind of expenses and overhead. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, I'm just, it's just wonderful to hear how you've been able to sort of chart this path for yourself and really tap into your passions. And you said before that, you know, you were at one point even thinking about leaving law. So, I'm just so happy to hear about just all these, first of all, that you're so happy with what you're doing and that you're sharing it so generously um, with those who are coming up through the ranks now that hopefully won't struggle in the ways that uh, yeah, that's, we did that's the goal. On. And one thing I'll just add there is this sounds sort of linear in theory, but I can assure you and anyone listening, none of this was linear. None of this was planned whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I think the you know the legal tech has been going on for a while. There was no master plan here, uh, or with the training. It really, you know, I think was a pandemic idea at some point where I had been planting a lot of seeds. You know, that in hindsight were all there, but but this all sort of came together uh, over the course. You know, for all academy was really uh, summer twenty twenty was when that idea started percolating in my head. And build your book was not a plan at all. It really wasn't until I decided I was going to leave big law. And, and go to Renault when I went, okay, well, I'm a free agent now. I can actually allowed to do these things. I don't need permission from anybody. And Renault in the firm, like we really believe that we want our lawyers doing these things. Like we don't see this as a detriment. It's an asset. Like lawyers who run their own businesses or involved in entrepreneurial things make better business lawyers because they can mm -hmm. empathize better with their clients and all those things. So, you know, I, I deliberately chose a firm that was open to these things. And suddenly, as I started thinking about more and more ideas, my entrepreneurial brain 
was going, okay, like let's try some of these. And, and that's been really exciting because I think so often as a lawyer, you know, you're just doing one thing. You're just doing billing hours and, and doing what you're told. And sometimes you lose that freedom. And it's been nice at a smaller firm that's more entrepreneurial to just be able to say, okay, let's try this and, and to have support. That, that's yeah. been fantastic. Yeah. Wow. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us about all the wonderful work that you're doing in the legal training space and for being such an incredible trailblazer. Really, really appreciate all that you're doing. And I know listeners will as well. I just wonder where the best place to go would be for listeners who want to learn more about the 4L Academy and Build Your Book Academy. Appreciate it, Shelley. So if you want to learn more about me or, or get in touch, LinkedIn is probably the best place. I'm, I'm far too active there, I would say. So LinkedIn, Aaron Bear, B-A-E-R is the place there. For l Academy, you can check out our website, which we launched re- recently, www.4lacademy.ca.com also works. And for Build Your Book, you can go to uh, buildyourbook.org. I believe also slash academy will get you to the right place, but buildyourbook.org will get you there. And always happy to chat about these sort of things. And thanks so much for having me on today, Shelley. Really appreciated it and really enjoyed it. Thanks for joining me today on the XL Legal Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I'm always looking for topic and guest ideas. So if you have any suggestions for future episodes, I'd love to hear from you at xllegal.com. That's E-X-E-L-L-E-G-A-L.com. Dot com.